Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In the very end of book nine of his meditations, Marcus Aurelius in chapter 42 is going to lay out for us a number of really important considerations that we shouldn't lose sight of. And if we keep these in mind, we will be able to avoid falling into the trap of getting upset with all sorts of people in the world by not having such unrealistic expectations about how they are and how the world is. So he begins by saying, when you run up against, or when you encounter someone else's shamelessness on ice juntia, right? Which means like doing things without caring whether they're right or wrong or whether they hurt other people, not feeling bad about it, right? So there are people who characteristically behave that way. It's not just screwing up a little bit, it's screwing up in being a human being. So when you encounter this, Ask yourself something, if you start getting upset, is it really possible for there not to be shamelessness in the world is how it's literally said in the Greek. Here's another translation. Is a world without shamelessness possible? And, you know, we could pause on that for a moment and say, well, yeah, because anything that we can think of is possible. So yeah, sure. We could have this utopia in which shamelessness doesn't occur. I'm just taking, you know, a few tweaks to this universe. And Marcus would stop you there and say, okay, think this through. How is that actually going to be the case? Given the way the world is, given the kind of human beings that we're working with, given the many different ways we go astray. No, if you're being realistic about possibilities, no, it's not possible. You're never going to have a world without shamelessness. Same thing for other character flaws. Being vicious. Now, the translation here of vicious could also, it's sometimes translated roguish, right? And we often view that as kind of, oh, somebody's just doing a few bad things. But literally, it means like the kind of person who will stoop to anything, who will do anything. Pan urgos. They will set their hands to just about any task, whether it's robbing old ladies of their purses on the street or pushing people onto train tracks or pick whatever else you want, uh, manipulating the stock market, engaging in corruption. So vicious people, is it possible to have a world without vicious people? Marcus says no, or untrustworthy, apistos, people who you can't rely upon, even if they make promises to you or other sorts of commitments. No, people are going to act that way. Not everybody, right? He's not some sort of pessimist or misanthrope, but you're going to have people like that pretty much anywhere you go. And, you know, people get very unrealistic about this. I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to be in this company, this workplace. I'm going to do this thing. And everything's going to be great from now on. No, Marcus would say, you're being foolish in thinking that and telling yourself that. And he tells us that we should keep in mind or remind ourselves. The word here is actually the word for remembering. We should remind ourselves is he says that the class, the group is going to exist, right? The whole class has to exist or more literally the entire class cannot 
not exist. There can't not be people of this general sort in the world. So then that will allow us to be more gracious, more hospitable, more tolerant is a translation, more eumenesterus, right? We'll be more peaceful, more nice, more beneficial to the single people that we run into. So if we know that, you know, the world can't exist without shameless people, when we run into a shameless person, we're not going to get all upset. When we run into an untrustworthy person, since we know that untrustworthy people exist in the world, we're not going to get quite so upset with them. He says, remembering that this whole class will make you more tolerant. Then he says another important point to keep in mind. And the translation here is what qualities, but it's much more literally what virtues, what excellences, and it's done in the singular, what virtue, what arete did nature provide us with towards this particular kind of mistake? Pros tuto hamartema, right? This kind of error that people are engaging in, whether the error is shamelessness or viciousness or untrustworthiness or picking their nose in public or being cowardly or pick any other character flaw that you want. And he uses this interesting term, antipharmakon, a remedy for this particular thing. And he says that, you know, here's an example, the antipharmakon for dealing with mean, or as it's translated here, unkind people, agnomon, is gentleness, is being nice to them, prautes, the control over one's own anger, not being angry with them, being patient with them. And he goes on to say every single flaw, every single vice, every single bad characteristic that you can think of, there is an antidote for it other qualities, other virtues to balance other flaws. So, you know, we encounter this kind of person. Well, we have within us a potentiality to behave in a certain way to them, right? So for example, as he's going to say a little bit later on, well, you know, somebody betrayed you. Who the hell told you you had to trust them, right? So if somebody is untrustworthy, I mean, you can still be decent to them, but don't trust them with a lot of stuff. Isn't that kind of common sense? And he says, you know, when others stray off course, so people who are literally wandering away from where they're supposed to be, somebody who not only is wandering away, but has departed from the path they should be on, you can try to set them straight. And this means... so. The word here is metadidaskein. Didaskein is to teach. And so the metadidaskein, to get them back onto the proper path, to show them how they should go. So he says, you can always try to set them straight. Every wrongdoer, every everyone who's screwing up, everyone who is erring, is doing something wrong, doing something the wrong way. And they don't know that it's the wrong way. Or if they, they think that it is the wrong way and they're doing it, there's some other higher level mix up that's happening in their head. So you can try to help them out instead. He also says another thing that'll help you not get upset with them is it seems like they're hurting you, injuring you, damaging you, doing something wrong to you. And maybe they can actually like hurt your finances, you know, a bad financial manager who's untrustworthy and embezzles from you. They are hurting you in some respect in relation to your money, which also might have to do with your health. You can't go to the doctor or you can't enjoy certain pleasures, but it can't really hurt the core of who you are. None of these bad people can damage you in the real you. 
your mind, your dianoia. None of them can make your mind worse, he says, unless you in some way are going to let them. And that's, that's your own damn fault, he would say, right? This is him talking to himself. So really they can't do you any true harm or injury or damage. He says they can't do anything that would make your mind worse. That's all that harm or injury could really mean. Another really interesting consideration here comes from the fact that we have a rational faculty, right? And he says, boorish people do boorish things, right? Mean, we could pick any sort of quality. Cowardly people do cowardly things. Untrustworthy people betray people's trust. Vicious people will, you know, do things they're not supposed to do. Shameless people will behave shamelessly. We go on and on and on. People act the way that their character drives them to act. I mean, they can make choices to change their character, but that takes a lot of work, right? In ordinary situations, if you know that somebody is not going to get a task done and you assign that task to them, knowing that they're the kind of person who's going to cut corners and make excuses, that's kind of on you, isn't it? And remember too, Marcus is speaking to himself as somebody who rules, right? So he says that what's strange or unheard of about people doing bad things that are in line with their character. He says, isn't it yourself that you should reproach for not anticipating that they'd act this way? What is wrong with you, dummy, for thinking that somebody who has shown themselves a cheater wouldn't cheat on you? I'll give you a very funny example of this. I had a girlfriend when I was in college who was an exchange student and got involved and she was cheating at that time on her fiance with me. And then she subsequently cheated on me. And I was very surprised and angry. Well, that was stupid from Marcus's perspective. If she's going to do this in a much more momentous sort of situation where there's an actual commitment there, why would I expect her to be trustworthy in that sort of case? So he goes on and he says, the logos, right? We have this rational capacity logos, which gave you the means to see that a given person would would act a given way, but you paid no attention. That, and that's a choice. That's a decision on your part to expect people who have not developed their character, except in bad ways, to behave in good ways is just silly and foolish and irrational. So he says, now you're astonished he's gone and done it. When you call somebody untrustworthy or ungrateful, turn the reproach around on yourself. I mean, you can complain about them if you want, but complain to yourself about yourself. You're the one who actually screwed up. You did wrong in expecting people not to do wrong when they're the kind of people who characteristically do wrong. He says, assuming that somebody with those traits deserved your trust or doing somebody a favor and expecting something in return instead of looking to the action itself for your reward, what else did you expect from helping somebody out? If they're not the kind of person who's going to be gracious, and show reciprocity with other people, why the hell would they do it with you, right? And he concludes this by saying, you know, it's enough if we do the right thing for the right reasons, not to get some sort of reward from people who aren't going to provide it. He says, isn't it enough you've done what your nature demands? And this is a really important phrase, right? So it's enough for us to do what in our distinctively human nature, kata fusin tin sein. You are a human being, 
So it's not just acting in accordance with nature, katafusin. It's acting in accordance with human nature, your nature, the way that a human being ought to behave. And what does this look like for Marcus? I mean, he talks about this at many places in this work, but he says, as if your eyes expected a reward for seeing, your feet for walking, that's what they're made for, right? That's what they're designed to do. They have a function. What is your function as this thing that includes eyes and feet, but also a rational mind? He says, human beings were made to help others. When we do help others, and the word for help others is sort of cooperating with them, working in the same tasks, collaborating. When we help others or help them to do something, we're doing what we were designed for. What it is, is our nature. We perform our function. If we focus on what we do rather than on what other people do, we're going to avoid getting foolishly upset with them when they let us down. And they actually, they don't let us down, right? They behave exactly the way that we should have anticipated or expected them to do based on their past behavior and the character that they're displaying. So this can be very, very helpful as a set of right responses, a sort of bundle of ways of looking at things to people who are doing the wrong thing. If we do this, we can avoid getting ourselves upset, angry, hateful towards them. It doesn't mean that we have to approve of their wrongdoing. We can still say that they're doing the wrong thing, but we don't have to allow it to get us upset and demanding worlds that don't really exist. We can live in this real world filled with people who are going to screw up and keep ourselves from screwing up in our responses to them and having better responses as a replacement for those other misguided responses on our part. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.